This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. Hey everyone, I'm Corey Tusick and welcome to the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. If you are new to Bitcoin like me or have been around for years, my goal is to help educate you as I educate myself by interviewing people all around the Bitcoin world. Today on the show, I interviewed Daniel Prince, host of the Once Bitten Podcast. I asked Daniel a bunch of questions and asked him to explain Bitcoin to me like I was a five-year-old. I think you'll enjoy his answer. We also get into what was the catalyst for Bitcoin and many other things. I hope you enjoy the show and thanks for listening. Daniel, I appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, I reached out to Daniel because uh, I had been listening to his Once Bitten podcast and uh, was learning a lot and I wanted to start my own and kind of navigate this world. Um, and he's been very helpful and and as is with tradition, I think his daughter Lauren is here with a question. Yeah, my question is, um, why did you decide to start a podcast? Um, well, I started getting into Bitcoin um, as the the pandemic was going on. And I was learning as much as I could about it. And I realized that probably the best way to do it, to learn about it, would be to just start a podcast and ask people as many dumb questions as I possibly could about it. Um, you know, like the simplest things like, what is a wallet? Um, you know, how do I get it? How do I get my Bitcoin into a wallet? Um, simple things like that. And I mean, I've heard, you know, it's been said before, the best way to research a subject is to write a book about it. Um, and I work in the film industry, so I found that the best way to research a subject is to, to, uh, make a film about it. Um, so while I have some stuff in the Bitcoin world going on there, the most immediate way for me to get information and start learning was to, uh, was to do a podcast. Um, cause it's something that you can do, you know, every week you can get new information, um, you know, as, as things change, uh, I mean, you know, just a week ago, Elon Musk came in and joined the world of, of uh, Bitcoin. So, um, so yeah, I, I figured it was the best way to learn. Um, and, you know, I didn't want to stop learning. Um, and then also, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people, like this podcast is aimed towards kind of be a little bit of a stepping stone for people to then get to, um, you know, like your, your father's podcast, you know, if they, if they listen to other Bitcoin podcasts, they'll enjoy this one, I would like to think. But, you know, if somebody's new to this space and they're kind of afraid of, like, all the terminology and everything, I'm not afraid to, to ask the very stupid questions. <laughs> Let me ask you. Okay. Uh, you have another question? Cool. Um, I don't think so, but do you have one? I was going to ask you, what do you think about Bitcoin? What, are, what is your understanding of it? Well, at the start, I, think, I thought it was a very boring math thing. <laughs> but when Daddy explained it, I was like, oh, I can help you in the future. I mean, like, if a poor person had a bit of money and had a phone and bought a bit of Bitcoin, and every, like, month it gets higher, then... Like in a year, they'll be richer than anyone else. And I just thought that was amazing because like you started off like that to being the richest person in the world. <laughs> uh-huh. And yeah. 
and I'm, I'm sure you've seen before with you guys travel a lot i know with your dad's book so you've seen how they exchange money and i think that's just hilarious to me that you exchange this paper money and somebody's taking a fee um when in reality uh you know we can just send it to each other at any point yeah i think that's i think that's cool awesome awesome well thanks for your question that was a good answer, by the way. I'm impressed. He's been listening, I guess. Yeah, I hope so. If not to me, at least to some of the guests. Mm. Like yeah, uh, the guests, Uncle, right? Uncle Chad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Chad, yeah. You listen to Uncle Chad and, uh, and Uncle Jeff as well when, when he was on, yeah? And Uncle Badders. And Uncle Badders, yes. yes. Big shout out to out Hodler Than Thou. Uh, so Badminton of Bitcoin. Uh, oh. Yes. Who, who we actually get to meet from time to time in real life. Yeah. So we can actually touch Uncle Badders and, and uh, his wife and, and their, their son and their dogs uh, and have fun with those guys, can't we? Yeah. Real fun, not, awesome. not just virtual not just, fun. Not just virtual fun. Well, so you yeah. guys, are, are you on major lockdown still? Or? Uh, no, but like it doesn't feel any difference if we are on lockdown for me. Hmm. We, we're, uh, yeah, our movements are restricted. We are not in any major lockdown at the moment. Uh, we're not supposed to have the freedoms that we were born with, of course, and we're supposed to be in our houses by 6 p.m. and no bars, no restaurants, no cafes, nothing like that is allowed to be open. I miss the pastries. Well, we can we can still get the pastries, I know, but, I miss but we the coffees and pastries. The experience, the lifestyle. Yeah. This is what uh, you know has been eroded away from from humanity. Like um, quality of life, right? Quality of life. Oh. You, know, you can look at if you were to overlay a graph of COVID cases, and you know we've all seen one of these graphs and they just like seem to hockey stick and go up. And, mm -hmm. but then if you were to look at a graph overlay people's quality of life, you just see that nose diving. And at the end of the day, you know, what are we here for? Yeah. It's a quality of life and being, and being shackled in our homes for the, in air quotes, greater good is just such nonsense. Um, but, and, and to Lauren's point, yes, we can still get uh, the croissant or the pain au chocolat and, and things like that because they're essential businesses, right? The bakeries yeah. by right, because you know, it's uh, they're doing God's work by baking a baguette in, yeah. in France. Um, <laughs> oh, can't shut down the but we miss, we miss that lifestyle option. The reason we live here is because we love the rolling countryside and the, the slower pace of life and rocking up to a cafe and, and, and having a coffee or a, Maybe you'll have a hot chocolate or something yeah, and, the winter hot chocolate. And, a, and a warm croissant and you just hear the chitter chatter in the background of a, of a French cafe. Painting. Yeah. No, we, we, that's what the world is being robbed of. Uh, you know, there'll be equivalent experiences for people in, in, in other countries um, that it's just gone and culturally as well. Mm-hmm. The cafe that we used to like uh, visiting. Yeah, like before school, like uh, mm -hmm. we go there for like a little drink and yep. uh, uh, like pastries if they're there. But it, it would take you three or four minutes to sit down, mate. You, you'd have to walk in and I would have to shake every man's hand 
and uh, Fairle B's double kiss each yeah. woman in the cafe, complete strangers. Yep. And then the cafe owner, you would go up and present yourself and you would Fairle B's with, with her. But we know her. So. But we know her, yes. Um, and then, then we could take our table if there was one available. Yeah. Uh, and then they would come and take your order where in, in her own good time when she was finished, you know, pattering around Doing with the others. others. And now no one, not even the, the French people, they, they barely look at each other. They, they, we, we, you can just about maybe get a fist bump out of someone or they do well, this like elbow the touch. Like... Yeah. And this whole <clears throat> kissing culture has, mm-hmm. has gone. Um, and then, you know, people listening to this might just find that pretty strange anyway. But in Europe, this is such a huge part of their culture. In Spain, in Belgium, yeah. in Holland. In Holland, what? it's three what kisses. Italy? Italy, exactly the same. It's, um, in, in, in France and Holland, in fact, um, males kiss each other. Um, those that are, you know, if you, if you know a man um, well enough and you call each other friends or if you're related, then you, then you kiss. Yeah, uh, you you do the double, you know, side of each uh, cheek, uh, and in Holland you do that three times, and you know what's going on? Like what, what we're undoing millennia of cultural heritage. Yep, that's I just mean, because. <laughs> just because we are afraid of something that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's a real virus, and obviously it makes people sick. Um, but you know, I love the meme that went around that said, "Imagine." A, a virus so bad that you'd have to get tested to find out you have it you know like right. <laughs> it's like yeah it's not like oh my god there's that person falling down um you know and and yeah i, I mean i'm right there with you because like what kills me is the dehumanization of people um mm-hmm. you know um covering up their faces uh and all that kind of stuff and i and i just i pray to god that it all comes back um but uh, when this started, um, you know, the initial two weeks to slow the spread, I told my wife, I said, I'm 100% behind that. I get that logic. Let's do that. I said, but my fear is that they will never let that power up. They will never let go. And, and unfortunately, here we are. What are we, 48 weeks into two weeks to slow the spread? Um, <laughs> you know, and it's just... It's just, uh, it's madness. And, and those of you listening, quote, this, there's, is a, there's, this is a Bitcoin podcast, but I think there's a lot of Bitcoiners that kind of feel this vibe of oh, yeah. like, well, you know, what, what's happening to our world and, and, um, yeah. and like the dehumanization, the first time our five-year-old put a mask on, like my wife and I both had to hold back tears. You know, mm. it was like, I, I don't know what it was about seeing our little five-year-old just be dehumanized with a mask where it's just like, like oh my God. Um, you know, and, and to me, it, it goes to, you know, what, one of the issues we have with like internet bullying and all those things is the lack of empathy we have for people. Um, you know, for example, like for young kids, you know, like Lauren and, and my sons, like if you say something like naturally something will come out of you that's mean, like, and you don't know it, you know, or you maybe just, you're kind of a kid, you're learning, you're testing the waters of what is nice and what's not nice and if you say something mean to someone to their face you know they they react poorly you see that it hurt them 
And so you have empathy and you go, that didn't feel good. Like that didn't feel good for me. It didn't feel good for them. Um, and as the internet's taken over and people are bullying online, there's, it just feels good to say something witty and smart and mean. Um, and you don't get that feeling of the, the empathy. And, and that's kind of my fear with the mask mandates of having to wear masks forever is that, you know, you're not going to, people are going to lose their empathy. And, and like you said, with the cultural aspect of, you know, of, of embracing people, giving kisses, things like that. I, I go at like film festivals around the world. I've had to do that where I always have to figure out where they're from. Cause like there will be some kind of embrace that's not American and I have to be prepared for it. Right. Um, so I'm like, okay, this company's in France. They're going to do this. And like this one, you know, like the Chinese, like we bow, you know, stuff yep. like that. Um, and, uh, and now I just feel like, I don't know what the world's going to be like when we go back to that. Um, you know, are we going to embrace each other? I would like to think we will, but I don't know. Get to a Bitcoin conference. I think, uh, uh, everyone will be giving each other man hugs and uh, oh yeah, and, and shaking hands and uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to go to the party. Yeah, Lauren, Lauren wants to go to the hundred k party, so uh, that's. Um, but Daddy says if it's too soon, then we can't go because like flights will be cancelled. Well, yeah, it all depends on whether or not we're allowed to fly out of the country. You know, you, you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't magic a plane out of the sky. Well, maybe right. I can if Bitcoin's 100K. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if Bitcoin's 100K, I think we'll all find a way to get across the ocean. Um, well, if you come to the 100K party, then I'll, I'll bring my kids. I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. And, um, and that way you, you, you won't feel – you'll be able to show them the way of, like, how kids navigate this, this Bitcoin world. Because my son, my older one's familiar with the film business, but um, – he asked me, as a kid would ask the other day, he said, Daddy, what's a butt coin? Because <laughs> <I was laughs> he's heard me talking about it so much lately. Um, and I was like, uh, that's really hard to explain um, right now. And that's kind of what I want to do with the podcast of like, explain it to me like I'm five, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I guess I would actually like to get both of you to chime in on this. So uh, Lauren kind of already did, but if you were to, if you were to explain it to some, explain Bitcoin to someone like they're five years old, like what's the best way to, to kind of dumb it down where you're not missing anything or at least the important points. It's funny you ask this because um, do you want to hang around or are you, uh, you getting bored now? I don't mind. You don't mind? It's up to you. you yeah. Yeah. I Just won't take a front. Yeah, <laughs> she usually hangs around for like uh, what two or three minutes, and you usually ask your question, then you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, anyway, uh, uh, Lauren and her um, brother, sister, brother, and one of her sisters, they they do an online school called Galileo, uh, GalileoXP.com, and one of your facilitators yeah. was running a um, an entrepreneurial yeah. nano degree it's junior startup club junior startup and club, like we right. make a business yeah oh, cool and the class had been asking about money and she'd been talking about money and um she asked me if i would come on and and present to the uh, the kids so there's a, a group of around nine years of age 10 11 and then there's a group like 13 and up and so when I was talking to these guys, eight or nine or 10, uh, I used the analogy of, of Pokemon cards because that's something that they 
all know and they all love. And I was trying to explain to them, well, you guys, you use that as money, as a medium of exchange, right? If you think about, if you were in a playground situation now, or if you're in a social situation in your football team or whatever, a bunch of you got together, you'd all trade cards. Yes, yes. So they understood that, understood medium of exchange. And something has, um, uh, you know, there's the fungibility aspect there as well, right? We all know they are a Pokemon card and they are all interchangeable. Um, One Pokemon card is worth another Pokemon card. But then there's the special ones, the, the silver ones or the GX, I think they're called. And um, if you were to use that card, you might be able to get two or maybe three of the, the normal cards uh, in return. So then you have this kind of higher order, uh, you know, you might have an analogy of a, a $10 bill against a $20 bill. Um, and then I said to them, well, what would happen if one of those silver cards that you had got and that you were keeping, what's the reason you're keeping it? Why aren't you swapping it? Because it's valuable. Okay, sure. So you've assigned some kind of value to it, uh, of, which of course is subjective. You know, to one kid that might be worth two cards, to another kid that might be worth three cards, to another it might be worth four. Um, so they, they all understood that as well. And then I said, well, what if the company, Pokemon, one night decided that that one silver card that you're holding, they were going to print another hundred thousand overnight and put those into the little packets and put them in the shops. And so now all of a sudden lots more kids are going to have that same card. What would happen? What would happen to your card? And one kid just straight away just said, well, it'd become less valuable. I'm like, right. Okay. So it's truly, it it honestly is um, intuitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know at what stage, we've had the wall pulled over our eyes, my generation especially, with all of this financial engineering and derivatives and you know, mortgage-backed securities and CDCs. And I worked in financial markets. I can't explain 98% of any of these things to you. Um, and you lived and, it. And uh, yeah, right? Uh, and it's just, it, but, and this is what I try and say to, to people that are coming to Bitcoin. First of all, it's like Bitcoin is intuition. Once you just start peeling back a few of those layers, it's just like click, 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 click. That just makes total sense. And so is Austrian economics, you know, human action. That's like click, 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 click. That just all makes complete sense. Nothing we've been exposed to for the last, well, since 1971, for sure, perhaps even a little bit before that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it all starts to click and, uh, and that's what, um, really blew my mind whenever I started to get into it. I forgot. I forgot. I took the analogy <laughs> the Bitcoiners amongst us will, will, um, will, will, will like this. I took the analogy, the Pokemon analogy one step further and I completely forgot this. Um, but I like it. Uh, and I said to them, right. Okay. So we've, we've understood all of those aspects. What then would happen if one week one of your friends turned up and started like 
whispering around the whole of the group is like, hey, 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 I've got something else. Hey, this, this, these, these cards, you, wait till you see these cards. Wait till you see these cards. It's going to be better. They're going to be much, much nicer. And they're going to be um, like way more valuable and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the, the next week he comes back and like he produces Jokemon cards. And I would say to them, so what would you do with those? They're like, well, nothing. They'd be worthless. I'm like, well, that's Ethereum. So yeah. you've just <laughs> you've just figured out a shit coin. <laughs> That's so funny because uh, uh, there's um like a just with the right before the Elon thing last week, friends of mine um, who knew I was into Bitcoin started hitting me up like, hey, you know, it was with the the whole Wall Street bets thing was what got their attention on it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you you guys are gonna want to get in as much as you can right now, you know, do your research, all that kind of stuff. And they were like, you know, immediately, I'm sure this is how most people, because even whenever I started to get into it, I started to look like, oh, what are these other coins? What's the value? And they were like, do you own any Ethereum? You know, you should really, I heard the good things about that, you know. And I was like, honestly, I own one Ethereum just for the hell of it. Like, just, just for, just because I can say I have one, I don't know why. Like, it's the only thing other than Bitcoin that I have. Um, and, uh, but I just did it just cause I was like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, it's, it's a little bit, it'll go up. It's not going to, if it goes to zero, which it probably could, um, then it wouldn't affect me. Um, I wouldn't care, but I just wanted to, uh, to have some skin in the game so that whenever I criticize it, people can, I can say, well, like I'm, I have money in there. So I, you know, I know the critic, cause like you said, the joke I'm on, I don't understand how, like, from what I understand of, of Ethereum, there's no cap right like they they don't have a cap it's infinite um and and it and there's a bunch of holes in the system too right like there's like software problem (laughs) that's about all you need to know (laughs) those two things why would you touch that um (laughs) until they like if they figured it out and made it better then you know by all means great but um i've been uh doing something like a as I've been researching the, the uh, you know, documentary that we, uh, I've told you about, looking at other documentaries of the past and seeing where old Bitcoiners have ended up, you know, ones that were like really into it, like uh, Roger, Roger Veer, is it Veer or Ver, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, like, he came up with the, they split off with his Bitcoin cash. And, um, and it's just sad to see where like the people that splinter off kind of, like they not only lose their, they, they lose their momentum, but their conviction is so strong in what they came up with that they end up eventually being disillusioned with the whole crypto like community almost. And like the whole idea of crypto, um, there was a guy in San Francisco named Jared something uh, that he had like a kind of like a hostel where people lived and worked on Bitcoin. Um, and then I think he's like completely out of the game now. And like owns a brewery in Colombia, and like doesn't you know he's like oh, I have half a Bitcoin and I don't even care about it and it's like, eh. like <laughs> you probably do like wish that you could go back and not lose all the ones that you lost and so forth, um, but that's a great explanation for Ethereum, um, and uh, and yeah w- with the Austrian economics what we're like explain that to people you know as far as because. Uh, like me, I've heard it thrown around, um, but yeah, I mean, 
What's what's the theory behind that? Two words, basically, free markets, and mm. um, le- leaving the economy alone to 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 discover its own prices and own interest rates uh, for goods and services, um, which is something again we've we've never been privy to. We've always had the interest rates uh, manipulated. And if you manipulate the interest rates, then you are distorting the uh, the price signals within the market. And that drives malinvestment in the wrong places. You have entrepreneurs going into businesses, starting businesses in places where they, they think they see value because the, the, um, the price, the market price has been distorted. And of course, as it plays out over time, it could be, you know, quick six months companies folded and finished and forgotten. Right. Or it could be a year and a half. And then there's an even more spectacular crash because so much money like venture capitalism or whatever else has been pumped into it because this is the next big thing. This is the next black swan and it all goes tits up. There's so many of these stories throughout the last, you know, several decades, but it's just, um, it's getting worse and worse now as, as we have, interest rates manipulated almost monthly and ridiculous amounts of, of money printing going on. So we, we do not have a free market. We have no idea the real price of a good or a service. And there's that, that that's complete incomplete contrast to what, uh, you know, the, the Austrian economic theory is where the, the less regulation, the better, and the uh, the better the economy will ultimately be. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lauren. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. It was nice meeting you. Nice meeting you too. I hope you have a great podcast. All right. Thanks. Bye. Um, that's awesome. I'm glad I'm, I really, it's one of the things I love about your podcast is having your kids, um, come on because, you know, it, uh, it kind of shows like the, the new generation of like what they're, I mean, they're growing up with online school. You know, you talk about that with, uh, you know, Michael Saylor and other people, but, um, you know, that concept would be lost on, on me if I was, you know, 10 years old and trying to understand how to take online school. It just wouldn't make sense to me. Um, so I think that's going to make Bitcoin like so much more easier, easy to adapt to the new generation as they come out and, you know, they start earning money and they go, well, why would I keep any of it in the bank? Um, yeah. Uh, And that's one thing like, you know, we, we grew up believing that, uh, we, we had to give our money to the bank and we didn't even question it. It wasn't even a question. Like when I first started work that the first thing you had to do was, provide your bank account details. So all of the money that you were expending your time and energy for went straight to the bank. (laughs) And we never ever questioned like, why is my money going to that business? And what are they doing with it? It was just this, you know, given like you, your money will go to that entity and they will look after it in air quotes and um, you will be thankful to them. Um, if you're lucky, you'll get some kind of return 
on on the money that you you place there like half uh, a percent <laughs> right i what did i see in those days i was probably anywhere between four and a half to six and a half percent maybe um back in the the mid when did i i joined the, the i joined my my first job in 1995 so on a current account maybe yeah anywhere in, in between there like six and a half seven and a half percent no five to seven and a half percent i don't know um which sounds like a, a ridiculous amount right now mm-hmm. um but yeah, even then just in a, if you could i mean one thing that i think a lot of people that are getting into bitcoin you know need to understand is what's going on with the banking like you said like to trust that they they have it and and something that what made me go like when they printed money in March, I was like, okay, I need to buy Bitcoin. Um, and then I saw the having come up. I saw, uh, uh, Pompey, uh, Pomp's tweet about happy have Bitcoin having. And I was like, well, what's this? And I looked like, you know, okay, got into it a little bit more. And I discovered the quantitative easing. And, and then I realized that it's been a lie this whole time. Like I, I remember used to think that Fort Knox, in the United States, like that had to be protected in my mind up until a couple of years ago, Fort Knox had to be protected in order. Cause if, if like other governments raided it, they would find out that we didn't have enough gold to cover all the dollars that were in the system. And like, that's, I think what the average person thinks if they, you know, have done any kind of studying. Um, and, and then I started to learn. So, I mean, can you extrapolate a little bit on like how the banks have been, not just printing money with the Fed since the 08 crisis, but when you loan them their money, like if there was a run on the banks, they don't have enough money to give out to everybody. Yeah. And that this is um, when I, I read Gigi's book, uh, 21 lessons, and he does a really good job. And I think he calls it uh, fractional reserve madness. And it's, um, it's just a short chapter uh, introducing you to, to fractional reserve banking. And, you know, like the, the real overview is every time uh, the bank takes in money, say you, you deposit in $10,000, they can multiply that by 10, uh, fractionally reserve it, and then they will go out and uh, um, loan against that. So this money's just like, it is com- completely out of thin air. And so they, they can loan t- that and, and it comes mm-hmm. from it comes from nowhere. Like they don't have to go to the fed and say, Hey, can we loan X number of dollars? They just inject that money. Like if you want the loan, they just put those digits into your bank account. Yeah. And the, you know, so if, if you were to um, put in $10,000, you know, your interest rate, if you're lucky might be a half to 0.75%, whatever, let's mm-hmm. say, but then they're loaning that out at like one and a half or two and a half or 3%, well, whatever they can get away with, right, on the other side. So they are making that difference. And they're loaning out 100000 on your 10000 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And they're making a higher fee on it. Yeah. And when they get that money paid back to them, it's money that didn't exist in the first place. Yep. And, and all of a sudden now it's in the Then bank. they loan it back out. <laughs> loan it back out and create and loan it at a 10 to one ratio again. Oh, rinse and repeat. 
Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I mean, honestly, learning that stuff is the, the scariest part of like, um, I'm sure you've seen the movie, The Big Short. Um, yep. And you know, whenever Steve Carell sitting there talking to the CDO guy, um, you know, they called the solid gold asshole. Um, and, uh, and in the moment that he realized, like the look on his face, whenever they, were, they you know, Ryan, uh, or what's his name? Um, Gosling says, you know, this is the moment, that's the look on his face whenever he realized that this was a ticking time bomb that was going to explode. Um, like that's kind of how I felt whenever I realized like, oh my God, this is all fake. Like this is, none of this is real, you know? And, um, and it, I feel like if for people, you know, they're just getting into Bitcoin, they should really peel that back because once you look behind the curtain and realize that the Wizard of Oz is just a guy standing there making it all up, um, you, it's one of those things that you can't unsee. Um, and, and that's kind of been like reeling ever since, like of trying to figure out how this went wrong. I mean, so like, and this was all building up, right? So this didn't just happen in 2008. They'd been doing this lending, this fractional, fractal reserve lending for years and years and years. And it, um, is that what drove inflation? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Um, the, you know, um, driving inflation is cheap money, right? It, that's what, that's what drives the inflation, the cheap money. Um, people taking on like ridiculous, uh, loans, where do those loans go? They go into like, uh, like the housing market, perfect example. And what happens to the housing market? It just goes berserk. Like it did up to, um, 2008. And, uh, you have this, um, ridiculous set of circumstances where people, again, like to draw attention to the big short where strippers had two or three condos. Right? <laughs> you know? So, uh, and but the housing market just kept going up going up going up and um people are chasing it and they can chase it with this this free money that was just being thrown at people uh and of course we all know what happened it, it just completely collapsed uh so what's driving inflation now is all of this money printing and uh as money gets printed out of thin air by the fed um and by the way, have you gone down the rabbit hole of uh, Robert Breedlove talks about this? Um, I've not read it yet. I need to read it. Um, the Jekyll Island book, The Creature of Jekyll Island. No. And it goes into, and this is one thing I had no idea of. Like, you know, it's shameful to say that I had, I always thought the Fed and like uh, the, 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 uh, the Bank of England, for example, were, you know, part of the government, like the Federal Reserve would be a government entity. Well, yeah. It's not, it's a private, it's a private, it's a private entity with stakeholders and nobody knows who the stakeholders are. No are one knows serious? who, for sure. Oh my Breedlove God. opened my eyes to this. So, and they, 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 they've never been audited, right? They're, they're untouchable. So that's why I want to get my hands on the, um, on the, the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, where they go to Jekyll Island and they put all of this plan together and they create this company. Um, they call it the federal reserve. Cause I mean, there's nothing government, right? There's nothing federal about it and they don't have any reserves. 
it's just but a, a balance. They have sheet. this. Mo- they have this monopolistic control over the um, over the world, really, because uh, the U.S. dollar is the the global reserve currency. It's the global settlement currency. And so these. So every time they they print money and make these policies, the the ripple effects around the world are are huge. Yeah, because so say they you know devalue the dollar in the U.S., which they've been doing. How does that affect you know Somalia? and El Salvador, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, does that affect them to a greater degree than it does the Americans? Uh, yeah. Um, and, and it could be in a, a whole different host of host of ways because the, the, you know, the global economy is this, like there are a million moving little cogs, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not just, unfortunately guys, it's not just like black and white, push a button and everything's going to be fine. Um, it, it, there are just so many millions of little, little intricacies. So if you, if you devalue the, um, the US dollar, then that's going to uh, affect um, import-export prices of certain goods, well, all goods. And if you are a, com- if you are a country that is uh, exporting a good to the US, then all of a sudden you are going to be getting um, paid less in US dollars. And they might go shopping elsewhere. They might go to a different country to get that same, that same good depend. So this is why we, you get into uh, the currency wars. So if the U S print, guess what's going to happen? The European central bank is going to print the bank of Japan is going to print the the people's bank of China is going to print because they're in this race to the bottom. And they're always trying to equal out this um, import export uh, because this is huge amounts of money, right? We're, we're talking mm-hmm. billions. And in the commodity markets, it could be oil, it could be soybeans, it could be corn, it could be sugar. Uh, a lot of these commodities, certain countries totally depend on, like they're, they're completely held over the proverbial barrel mm-hmm. by this, this, central bank uh, action but it gets dressed up in um in the u.s as oh this is for the people we have to do this to save the economy and to drive the economy and if you're a u.s citizen um you you know you're going to look at that and think oh that's great you know that's brilliant thank god they're doing something because i just need (laughs) to get food on my table and and fair enough you would think that Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day the the ripple effects around the globe it can be catastrophic and Bitcoin fixes this, right? I know it's a meme hashtag Bitcoin fixes this, but it does because now nobody is uh, completely reliant on, on that one exchange rate against the U S dollar. It's just Bitcoin. If you've got some Bitcoin and you've got something over there and you are happy for me to send it to you. And we agree on the cost of that in Bitcoin we can transact and it can settle within 10 minutes to an hour rather than three to five business working days via two to three other intermediaries through one or two or even three hops and currency exchanges as well. That's, that is the, yeah, that is such a real pain. I, I'm actually, I'm trying to get uh, like to work with Jack Mahler's company uh, strike. Mm-hmm. Um, just on a business end, if I can tie in like now that I'm starting a podcast and I can 
get him to to come on and do an interview because um on my business side you know we're moving money around and and i just just this week it's like anytime if there's a, a volume of over like 100k it, it gets uh held up for like a week and that's if it's going over i forget if it's going to different anyways i mean so it's going all over the place and everything is legit. Everything's by the book, but it's just the banks are like, well, 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 hold on, let's wait. You know? So when I hear people talk about like, Oh, you know, Bitcoin transactions can't happen that fast. I'm like, uh, <laughs> it, it is, it settles itself every 10 minutes. Like I, like that, that is, you know, that, that to me seems good. So that's why I need to, I need to, this is my public address. I'm, 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 my putting out a, a signal to get the Jack Maulers because I will be a customer of strike and I could use their business literally right now. Like I actually, I'm looking to change payment systems. Um, right. Because that's a real pain point for a lot of businesses. Um, Huge. And so big. And there's so many fees that come out. Um, yep. You know, everybody takes their, their cut along the way. Um, so yeah, I, I uh, and I guess and probably probably two to three screw ups per year as well when money oh, just goes yeah. missing. Yeah. You know, I, I I had this, I had this uh, just uh, two months ago. Uh, I I was waiting on a US dollar um, payment to hit a bank account, and it didn't hit, and it didn't hit, and I was in touch with the lady that was uh, organizing the whole thing, and she said, "Yeah, uh, it left the HSBC account X amount of." weeks ago i'm like well can you double check and i'll double check my side my bank had not they had no clue of this transaction i'm like as far as they are concerned the transaction didn't happen you're gonna have to double check so it took hsbc another two days until they finally came back and confirmed to her that they had made a mistake and that they were now no and then that she had to put through the request again a whole new request and that would take another three to five business days and you're just sitting there like, I'm a Bitcoiner, so I know the pain. And I'm, the reason I want that cash is so I can now move it to where I want it to be. And I'm trying to educate her at the same time. Like, you know, this, this is why we are moving away from, from this, you know. And she was the, the personal assistant of this, um, this guy I was doing business with. And she has this problem all the time. And with this specific bank. It probably makes up 50% of her job. Oh, God. Imagine that. So this is what we talk about friction in, in the Bitcoin space. The friction here is so high just to make one transfer. It should be a click of a button. But the friction is so high. We are talking endless emails, endless phone calls, staying on the phone for however long whilst you're on hold, trying to get hold of that person. The fees, as you mentioned, because you have to make the, the currency exchange. So you're getting screwed on that exchange, right? It's nowhere near the spot market, what we call the spot oh, market no. between, between banks, right? You're getting a retail foreign exchange uh, rate. And they're taking a fee on top of that just for admin or whatever they yeah. want to call it, right? It's so really Just and so then, they can make a phone call. Yeah. Uh, and, they, and they still fucked it all up. Yeah. And they don't care. Because instead of making it right, they just say, okay, 
it's a flick of a button. Here's that X amount back in your account. Now you're going to have to submit another request and go through all of that original friction that went, you went through in the first place. And if that was Bitcoin, she could have made that one payment. And if she had have chosen uh, a, high, a high fee uh, to get into the next block, that money would have been with me in 10 minutes and settled. Like yeah. settled at point. It's not, it's not like, so this is, this is a, a, a good point to, for, for people to, um, to understand if they're, if they're coming new to the space because there's a lot of FUD around the speed of settlement and Bitcoin is slow. Mm -hmm. uh, and people look at, well, you know, I can use my Visa or I can use my Apple Pay or I can use my Google Pay, whatever, and go and pay for whatever I want. Ping, pang, it's gone. Yes, to, to you, it's gone. But there is a certain amount of credit risk between the two parties that are holding that. So if you're using Apple Pay, for example, they might be backed by Visa and Visa have then got to make that payment to Starbucks and that won't get settled for three days. Right? That, <laughs> that's not happening for three days. They'll add everything up over three days and then on, say, if, if Starbucks took on the, the 26th of January, $4,500 in that specific location, that is not getting settled for the next three days. And then the same for the 27th of Jan, three days after that, it's a three-day lag. Yeah. We, feel it's, we feel as it's instant as the consumer, but it's not. Whereas Bitcoin, it's, it's instant, instant, instant for everyone. You and know, it, happen, it can happen 10 within, minutes. within 10 minutes. And then, yep. and then like you said, uh, you know, people were worried about using, you know, people were the fear, oh, I can't buy a Starbucks with it. Well, first of all, if that's what you really need it for, then, you know, keep a little bit of change in, in your uh, debit card and, you know, buy your Starbucks that way. And then every month cash out some of your, whatever your reserve in Bitcoin and, and use it. Um, but the, then the, the lightning network, from what I understand, just completely solves all this. Like it, because what is it? Visa and MasterCard. Um, how many transactions per second they do like, like millions of transactions per second or something like that. Goodness knows. And then I think initially Bitcoin was something like 7,000. Um, but the lightning network is, I think is like 10 times what Visa can do. Um, and it's like instant, instant. I, I saw the, in the initial thing that uh, strike put out was they had their one employee getting paid by the minute, I think. Mm -hmm. And yep. it was like just constantly, sending money streaming money from us yeah. to british pound instantly every minute and i was like that's the answer like that's that eliminates for free the, as well right for, yeah for no free. free no fee whatsoever <laughs> which is like you know makes me wonder like our visa and everybody sitting there going like oh god our days are numbered you know like they've got such a stranglehold on it but but there's really nothing they can do to to put that back in the box, you know, once it, once it's come out, it's out, you know, zero fees. They can't compete with that. All the intermediaries, um, you know, you mentioned how, like, if, if you didn't, if the bank screwed up, they go, Oh, here's the digits in your, your bank account. Um, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that when I talk to people, you know, like my parents, for example, and they're like, well, this is a digital money. How could I, you know, how can I trust it? You know, like it's not physical money. And I was like, well, how, when was the last time you had 
a thousand dollars in cash. You know, it was like, how do you check your bank account? You go online. It's a digital currency system already. So, you know, could you speak to that of like how what they do is essentially is essentially a made up version of Bitcoin? I don't know. Like, is that a bad way to put it? Like, where they just kind of like no, it's it's like monopoly it's money, and it's, they just inject it and put your money numbers and, in there. This uh, and this is why uh, your your generation, your millennial, I think, um, mm-hmm. and uh, the generation coming coming just behind you. You will understand that, um, especially, so the last time I was in London in January, um, before all of the madness hit, uh, I was going around, I was doing some business meetings. I, I consult for startups and I would meet, um, the, you know, teams and, uh, you know, I'd start building, started to build relationships with, with some of these guys and then, Oh, Dan, I'll take you out for a coffee. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, but don't worry, I'll I'll get the coffee. It's all right. Yeah. I, I don't expect you to pay for my coffee. You know, I'm the I'm the older guy here. I've got a few gray hairs. I can I can afford. But they, you know, would absolutely insist. And I'm like, well, okay, absolutely. You know, it's very humbling. Thank you very much. Every single time they paid on their phone. Every single time, I didn't even see them take out a card. It was just straight on the phone. And I was like, holy shit! And I'm like, right, do you know anything about Bitcoin? No. Oh, no, anything about okay. it well when you do when when you do get that touch point it's not going to seem dumb it's not going to seem stupid it's going to be like oh yeah it's just another wallet on my phone okay i get it yeah. um and it's digital currency um okay that that seems a bit weird but i guess this is already digital currency anyway excuse me dropping my phone um so i i and, and for lauren and my kids it will just obviously being around uh, me and talking about it, but even, even for, for kids, their age, to your point, right at the beginning of this kids, their age, they're not going to question it. It's just going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Yeah. My dad downloaded uh, this wallet, you know, now I'm 12, now I'm 13. I can go to the shops by myself and you know, whatever else. And I've got a little bit of this on my, on my phone and I can use it at point of sale. There'll be a lightning point of sale. And I can go and buy my sweets and I can go and buy my um, croissant, whatever, you know, down here. And it's a uh, one euro 10 or however many Satoshis and it'll just be done. And they'll just flash the phone and, and that will be all they know. Uh, so, it's funny, like how you say uh, everybody pays with their card, you know, like I can't tell you how many apps um, my wife and I have with like things preloaded, you know, Starbucks, mm-hmm. um, chick-fil-a like if we can pay for chick-fil-a with with our phone like why would it be so hard for us to think about paying for anything with our phone um yeah and so one of the things that really got me too um and i mentioned before but like like i at christmas time uh, jeff booth's book um uh, the price of tomorrow. The price of tomorrow. Yeah, I uh, I got that for Christmas, and my family they're all looking at me like, "Oh my God, you got a book?" Because I never read. I'm a movie guy, um, and I said, "Yeah, you know." I, I kind of explained it, and they're all talking. I'm like, "You've heard me talk about Bitcoin, you know? I've been they've obviously heard me been men- mentioning it for the last year, um, and they're like, well, "Why is it valuable?" And I said, um, "I was like, all the printing they did." I was like, how much do you think they printed in the last year? The, like the total dollars in existence. 
nobody came close. And I was like, 25% of the dollars that are in circulation right now were created after March of 2020. And like the looks on their faces were like, what? And I said, and that, that was the thing that got me to really, really start going with Bitcoin. But what threw it to the next level was, um, was hearing a lot of people in but Preston Pish explaining quantitative easing and I realizing that 75% of every dollar in circulation didn't exist before 2008. How do they hide that? Like, how is that not knowledge to the average person? Oh, it's a, because when we kept dumb, when we're not taught this stuff and there's a whole reason we're not taught this stuff. We're not even, we're not even taught how to balance a, uh, you know, even write a check or, or, or balance like, you know, double entry bookkeeping we, we, at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, that this should be elementary stuff, you know, that this, like if you, if you, if you as an education system are there, to add value and educate, uh, you know, free thinking individuals to enter into the marketplace. They got to know about money, but guess what? We don't. And there's a very, you know, the reason we don't, uh, you know, you, you've come to that realization. Um, cause they're, in it's con- not, they're in control. It's, yeah. They have the monopoly. They have that power. They get to create, the um, the education system, you know, you know, uh, uh, free education is a human right as long as you sit down and learn what we decide to teach you. You know that that curriculum gets made by unelected bureaucrats, you know, um, education ministers that are in that role. They never ever they they're just in a political role. They never ever wanted to be an education minister. Likely never ever been a teacher before. But because one of their cronies and another one of their cronies and then another one of their cronies all got together and the top crony has now got the job, he's now got to assign people some nice cussy jobs and right, okay, you're now, you know, the, the, you're the, the, the health minister or the, yeah, you're the educate, your ministry of education or whatever. And this is why we have these, the, the, these shocking systems all around the world, whether it is a health system, whether it's an education system, you know, these, these centrally controlled, centrally planned, malinvested, um, over-regulated, needless policies being made by people that are just trying to keep themselves relevant at the top. Yeah. And it's hurting all of us plebs at the bottom. Yeah. But we're figuring it out. And, you know, Bitcoin is the answer because Bitcoin is this, this, this value proposition, this, this network, this beautifully designed decentralized network with, you know, the, the Bitcoin token on top of it that we assign value to. No one else. We assign value to it. And no one can print any more of it. It's going to be 21 million. And right now there's six and a quarter Bitcoin made uh, minted mined into existence every 10 minutes. We know the issuance schedule up until 2140, almost the exact date in 2140 when the last Bitcoin is going to be mined or minted into existence. So we have this information. This is something we've never had before in our species. 
we've never settled upon a medium of exchange that is truly scarce, where everybody knows the rules, everybody is incentivized to follow the rules, and we know the issuance schedule out for you know over a hundred years. It's mind blowing. Yeah, they, they couldn't. Be, it, <laughs> it is one of the like. It's one of those things that once it grabs hold of you, you can't you can't stop. Um, now, do you know what happens? Because the mining rewards, you know, for people that are new, like the the way I understand it is the computers are hashing out all of the transactions and coming to an agreement on the next block and solidifying that into the blockchain, which is basically the bank ledger that everyone in the world can see. Um, every time you mine a block, you're rewarded with six. 0.25 Bitcoin now, you know, and, and then in four years, it'll cut down to 3.175 um, and so on. So the reward structures there, one thing I am confused on is once all the Bitcoin are mined and you get to 21 million, what's the incentive for the miners to keep running? That would be, yeah, the, the, this has been talked about. And the way I understand it, it would become um, a fee-based um, economy. So you would carry on mining to keep the blockchain. Um, so basically, in essence, you know, if you think about your bank, your bank might be audited every month or every quarter or whatever. And this is what opens up to, to so, much, uh, so much of these mistakes that we were talking about earlier. The Bitcoin network is audited every 10 minutes by these miners around the world, thousands of them decentralized, doing this work, auditing the blockchain every 10 minutes to make sure there is no double spend to make sure there is no nefarious actors and someone trying to put in some fake Bitcoin. It all just gets completely, if anything like that were to happen, consensus would not be reached. The, the other miners and the other nodes within the network would disqualify that block. It would not be written onto the blockchain. Uh, so those ones that, um, that are uh, correct and solved correctly and have all of the correct transactions and is agreed by the rest of the network that gets written to the, uh, to the next block that um, machine, whichever machine, whichever ASIC machine solved that uh, is rewarded with the six and a quarter Bitcoin. So when we get to 2140, they also take the, the, the fees as well, whatever fees, we're in that, that block. So with each transaction, if I send a transaction to you, if I want it to be in the next 10 minutes, I would pay X amount of Satoshis uh, to, to, to make that happen. If you said to me, Dan, it doesn't matter, put in a low fee, it might turn up to you in like um, three, four, six hours. Who, who knows? Maybe, maybe earlier, it depends on, on, the, on how busy the network is. And that would cost me less Satoshis to send. Now it's still very, very cheap, um, in comparison to, <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. So people, um, people believe that over time, as mining reward goes down, fees will, uh, will naturally go up. But nobody knows the answer. Nobody can tell the future. And there's new things coming out all the time, like lightning, like we, like we discussed. Mm. So if I'm moving a small amount of money across to you and I don't want to pay high fees and it's not a huge amount of cash, then we could probably just use lightning and it would go immediately and it would be cheap, if not free. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then who, who come like, would it be the, the consensus? Like would all the people running nodes have to come to an agreement on in 2040, 2140, 
So, you know, 120, 119 years from now, they're going to have to have a conference and sit down and say, all right, this is how the structure is going to go. Like, <laughs> no, uh, it'll be settled way before that. It'll, it will happen organically and it will happen way long, long before that, that point. And um, you know, maybe it might even happen. Pushed Elon to over the, over the edge. He, <laughs> he figured out how to live to that long. So he just wanted to make sure that it was going to outlive 2140. And, and take and it, it and take it to Mars uh, and have it uh, beamed back and forth. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Which is, uh, yeah, that is fascinating. Um, I, I couldn't believe that he wasn't into it earlier with his desire to colonize Mars. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he said, uh, I just think it was funny. I can remember who I was talking to about it, but like how he said that he was going to make the laws on Mars. And everybody was like, whoa, 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 no, you can't. And he was like, what do you mean? Like, why, why can't, who else is going to make them? Like, <laughs> Is the U.S. <laughs> going to get there first? No, they're not. Um, so yeah, that uh, that's that's crazy. Um, so do you have what do you think? Do you think it was the '08 financial crisis that set that made Satoshi bring this to the world? Because it's a complex system, so it had to have been worked on for a long time. Uh, decades before. There have been, there'd been, I can't um, credit exactly who and exactly what projects had come before, but people have been working on this since the seventies, I think, um, you know, trying to figure out a, a fairer way to exchange value with each other, a fairer banking system. And, uh, you know, it, many have had been before and failed that there's, I can't remember somebody's tweeted out the, the timeline of all these different projects and it blows your mind actually, we all stand on the shoulder of giants, right? And Sailor told me that once on, in our interview. And he's, he's right. And of course, it's, a, it's an old proverb, an old saying. Um, and maybe Satoshi just tied all of these loose threads together. Uh, or maybe they all did it one night, four, five, six of them smoking a bong and figured it all out. Uh, who knows, right? Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. I, I, we never will know, hopefully. Um, although your documentary, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's my um, that's my my big thing. I don't want because I, I don't want to know who Satoshi is, um, and I don't think we ever will. Um, and one of my, I mean, uh, there's theories I have behind who who it is, um, but then I, one of the theories that I, when I thought about it, I was like this really isn't the most far-fetched would be that it was from the future. Like it sounds crazy, but like, like what if in the future they figured out a way to communicate with the past just through technology, you know, not like they could appear here like Marty McFly and, <laughs> you know, um, affect the past, but they could somehow send digital communications um, that maybe they found the, the right perfect time to introduce the thing that could save humanity, you know, like as crazy as that is. And people think like, Oh, that's like, you know, maximalist talk. And, you know, you're just a crazy Bitcoiner, but like, honestly, like a fair system is what saves the world. You know, um, you control the What is it? You control the money, you control the, the people or um, what's that quote, you know, and, and then what's the Mark Twain quote? He said, if, if people really understood how banking worked, there'd be a revolt. Like, 
by the next like open a business the next day <laughs> um so yeah I, I am fascinated to see and so yeah anyone that's uh listening whenever you get to hear more about the uh the satoshi documentary it's not doxing him but i would love i think my end goal would be to get him to communicate through a secure channel just you know for the whole world not just for me but like you know i would i think everybody would be fascinated to hear what satoshi thinks of the current system um and i think you know uh it it picked a perfect time it was october 31st 2008 it came out right when everything was melting down um mm -hmm. and uh and yeah and the, and the banks haven't stopped printing since so um what do you think it will what do you think it'll evolve to let's say in the next five years um you know just thinking about all the things we've talked about in the payment system i mean a lot of people you know the schisms in the past of you know roger veard making bitcoin cash um you know his whole his mission was to make a payment system um do you think people that are getting into bitcoin now should be looking at it as anything other than a store of value no i i think that's exactly what they need to be looking at as a store of value as um coming into it thinking all the, the this money i have right now this represents all of my hard work all of my time all of my effort all of my sacrifices and it's being eroded unfairly by bad actors that are just sitting atop this pile lining their own pockets with their actions and to the detriment of everybody else and if you come in with that mindset of this money represents my time and it represents my effort and i value myself higher than anyone else especially those that are making these ridiculous decisions then i'm going to move this money into a fairer system and treat that as a savings account i'm not going to speculate there's nothing speculative about wanting to save your money wanting to protect your money there's nothing speculative about that and that will take the speculation mindset out of it number go up is very very good fun oh, we yeah. all have great time when that happens you know enjoy it but don't be tempted to flip it back out for fear uh you know michael saylor you know he, he famously analogized his 500 million dollars worth of treasury um cash as a giant melting ice cube so if he's got a giant melting ice cube we've got little bags of ice cubes right mm -hmm. you don't <laughs> imagine ever wanting to buy back that bag of melting ice cubes you've once sold mm -hmm. that's what you're doing if you come into this mindset with i'm going to switch i'm going to buy in with fiat and i'm going to switch it out when it's higher just to get the fiat back because when you got the fiat back what are you going to do with it it's yeah. just more melting ice because the system wouldn't have changed it's the fiat system yeah. that's not going to change that will blow itself up we don't need to do anything to that system it's on self-destruct mode 
it's going to destroy itself. <laughs> right. So <clears throat> whatever you're coming with, it's look at it as a way, a vehicle to protect the wealth you have. Don't go crazy. Don't go all in. Go a little bit at a time and keep your job. You, you know, you need your job, but take 25% of that, whatever it is per month and put that in to Bitcoin and, you know, you know, change your lifestyle. There's so many, so many stories of people giving up smoking or cutting down drinking or stopping gambling or cutting out drugs and all of these, again, I'll use air quotes, lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. They're not lifestyle choices. They are escapism choices. You're trying to escape. That's legacy bullshit. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you get home, you've had a tough week, Friday night, what do you do? You sink into your bum dip on the sofa. You don't want the kids to say a word. You want your favorite TV show or you want the game on and you want a six pack of beers and you want a pizza. That's fear fucking life. Mm -hmm. That's shit. And that's driven because you have been on the hamster wheel that whole week. If you can start taking a little bit more control and you see your savings grow, if you see your savings grow, you will see your life decisions change and mm -hmm. it's so powerful and it's addictive, but it's a good addiction. And because you're making you know, healthier you can... life decisions. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. With, uh, so you wouldn't recommend what I did in just flipping everything over. Uh, like I took retirement. I mean, I started off, I put money in enough money to make <laughs> myself like feel the pain if it went down, you know, right. and as it fluctuated, like I needed, I was like, okay, I have to have skin in the game to kind of get the flow here. And then it was whenever I discovered the quantitative easing and everything that had been happening. Um, and basically, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I explain this to people that are new to it is that like them printing money, increasing the supply is devaluing your cash that you save in the bank. So say you have money sitting in the bank um, in five years, it will basically have lost 20% of its value or, you know, something like that. Um, whereas mm -hmm. if you converted that all to Bitcoin in the, in the short term, it might fluctuate up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, but over the long term, if you pull back the scope, it, it just goes up with little, little, um, you know, bumps along the way. But, uh, so yeah, so that's what, um, I would, I guess I would agree to other people to, you know, put enough in where you're going to feel the, the, the burn and you're also going to feel the excitement, but you can afford it. You know, you can afford mm -hmm. to, to, to lose that. And then I think that was, you know, whenever it fully clicked for me, I went, I went all in. I mean, the, the QE moment was like, Oh my God. And, yeah. um, and it was like, I, I felt like I was going to go around my house, like selling items. Yeah. So, Sell your chairs. Yeah, I was like, I was like, what, what else can we sell? Like, it was like, it was like, four hundred one k. See ya. Like, fidelity, buy. Yep. Everything. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom. Put it over there. And I mean, obviously, like I'm in a, like I, as far as a Bitcoin world goes, like I haven't suffered a huge correction yet. Um, you know, I mean, what did we, what did we have recently? Like a twenty five percent drop or something. Um, well, if, if you take uh, the all-time high of 2017, 
you know, 19 and change. It wasn't quite the 20,000. It was 19 and something. And then what did we bottom out in, in March here uh, in 2020 was just around four and change, wasn't it? A little bit over $4,000, I think. Um, so there's a 75 Did we even go look? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, that's character building. But at the same time, if, if you're doing that weekly or even daily, you know, the dollar cost average, um, every time you put a little bit of fiat into, into that system, as the price is going down, you're getting more Satoshis. Mm-hmm. That's actually, that was another like bell ringer moment for me when I initially, because I did the stupid thing that I would recommend nobody do with thinking that you could trade. Um, mm-hmm. And I only did a, a couple trades where I was like, okay, I'm, I think it's going to go down. So I'm going to pull out and then buy when it gets lower. Um, and, uh, and I'm lucky that I didn't get burned, but I also didn't end up as good as I could. Cause you know, I mean, it, it's just, it's impossible to predict. Um, and I started to take everyone's advice that all the Bitcoiners were saying, you know, just hodl, 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 stack your sacks, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, it changed in my mind where I was like, Ooh, I want, that extra, I want the extra Bitcoin. I don't want, I don't want more dollars. I want more Bitcoin, you know? So like the, the price of the actual Bitcoin didn't matter to me. It, what mattered to me was seeing that number of Bitcoin go up. Um, and then once I kind of realized that I was like, well, why would I trade and risk losing that Bitcoin when I could just mm-hmm. buy more, you know, and, and go yeah. that route. Um, so yeah, I would, I would recommend uh, nobody, doing it and one other one last question i do have on a technical side and there's probably other people i can ask this to as well but for people getting into it and people like me what's your easiest the simplest way to explain a wallet like a, like a, you told me about the cold card or you know different wallets out there like how do i know that the bitcoin are in there <laughs> this is this is, is a very difficult Unfortunately, um, a wallet is a bad description of what it is because we have this preconceived notion of a, a wallet is something we put our money in and, and holds our money. Um, what the actual wallet is, is um, think of it as a key uh, to uh, the safety deposit box. And if you think about the, the blockchain, um, it's made up of one megabit, one megabit blocks we're up to block height, 688,000, whatever it is right now. I don't have Bitbo up, wherever we are. Um, and in one of these blocks is going to be some of your transactions, right? That will be some of the, the Bitcoin uh, that you bought that are assigned to that address that got assigned to that block. Now, your hardware wallet is the key to access the blockchain to find that address that belongs to that wallet. So the Bitcoin, this is where people kind of glaze over a little bit. The Bitcoin always sit on the blockchain. Mm. They're not actually in your wallet and they have their own unique address and your wallet is holds the keys to go dip in to that specific safety deposit box. If you like, if you want to use that analogy on the blockchain, and uh you know access the um that that transaction so nobody so the bitcoin always sit there but you having a hardware wallet is basically 
the GPS instructions to find that safety deposit box. That's a good analogy as well. Yes. With a key as well, like with the key for that door. So nobody right. can find it and nobody can unlock it if you don't mm -hmm. have that hardware wallet. Yep. Okay. That makes me feel a lot better because one thing, you know, I was like, well, like I have, like I have this hardware wallet. Like, is there a button I can press on it that shows like an LED screen that says like, you know, four Bitcoin in here. Like, Oh, great. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's cause like whenever it's in your, you know, like Coinbase or like your digital wallet, you can look at it and go like, Oh, okay. That's how much it is. That's cool. Um, you know, but yeah. Whenever... So it, the, the wallet, the wallet will still do that. It will still tell you um, exactly how many transactions you have, how many in, in, in quotes coins you have on it. It will give you all of that information. The hardware wallet will. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So uh, when whether you you're using a computer, or... mm -hmm. yeah, it will tell you. It will tell you everything you need to know. It's just like looking at a bank account. It will tell you that. Okay. Um, it just gives you that extra. It is now yours. It's not Coinbase's. It's not um, the the other exchange or the other app that you're using. Uh, so if you're using Coinbase, for example, it's given you that information, but they that is via their own hardware wallet or their own system, whatever they're using to, to access the blockchain. Uh, okay. So once you take it away from them, that is now yours, there'll be another transaction away from that exchange. So that will move from block... 483,000, whatever, and we'll go into the next one or two blocks, which your hardware wallet will be the only one that can access. So that's what we talk about taking, um, um, you know, not your keys, not your coin, taking mm -hmm. coins off the exchange. That's the exact thing that you're doing. Is remove, so if you have it on the exchange, then Coinbase or Kraken any of those exchanges. It's theirs. They, they own it, the that's some, It's theirs. It's the same as you giving your money to a bank. Now, if you, if you're, you're, you get paid every month, mm. that money's not yours. It's the bank's, right? It doesn't, it doesn't actually touch you. It goes straight to the bank. And we think it's ours because we have the, the nice little plastic card that we can go and withdraw at the ATM, but we can't take whatever we want whenever we want right? Mm -hmm. we, we will have to go in and make an appointment with the bank manager to get our money and whatever else. It's the same kind of thing if you're trusting um, a third party, such as, such as Coinbase. We, we'll keep using that as an example. We can use um, Kraken too because Coinbase went down yeah, for like five minutes to date. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, so that, that's another problem with Coinbase. You know, they're going down all the time. This, this, this is not acceptable. This is not an acceptable uh, term or condition for a Bitcoiner. Uh, you know, a Bitcoin at once self-sovereignty. So we, we can use crack and we can use any exchange, any Just service. Any so important that you, you, you take that Bitcoin into your own custody and you do that with a cold card or with uh, a treasure. Um, and like you said, I, I would, you recommended like do a, do initial, uh, an initial amount like, you know, five dollars mm. worth just to make sure it works. Yeah, absolutely. that way you're not like you know just shipping tons of Bitcoin off and like wrong no, wallet. No. Because the first time you do this, it's a, it's a hair raising moment. Your your palms will go sweaty, even even though it is just it might just be like a five dollar amount or whatever. You'll be like, what the hell's going on? This is just all so weird. And uh, is it going to work? And what if it doesn't work? But it'll work. Don't worry, it'll and, work. Did you ever, did you ever mine? 
No, I, um, I first started um, learning in earnest learning. I'd heard about it before, but I started in earnest learning and seeking out interviews in 2014 and, and trying to educate myself a bit more. Uh, so by that time, the mining, the, the home mining ship had sailed anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, and we were, we were traveling as well. So we, we were on the road for two and a half years. Yeah, you There's can't no carry way mines around with you. <laughs> That's, uh, but, uh, it is so tempting, you know, people are like, like I see, I'm like, Ooh, like what if you bought a, an ASIC, uh, you know, or, or like, um, no, don't do it. That's that, what that, I, that, I, that ship has sailed. Um, that, that is now a very, uh, that, that's a, that's a business that, that is a real business undertaking, you know, yeah, that, that you're yeah. not just buying one ASIC and plugging it in at home. That's, that's know, not, that's just I mean, nothing that, but a waste of money. That's never going to earn the Bitcoin. Right. I mean, cause like you have to be the one computer out of how many they're running that gets yeah. credited for solving the block. Mm-hmm. You know, so how often are you going to do that? <laughs> like with one? Yeah. I, um, I, a lot of people I want to caution, you know, that are getting into it because immediately that was another thing that some of my friends started saying were like, they were bringing up like that pie cryptocurrency that you can mine on your phone, apparently. Oh God. And, um, mm. you know, and they were like, <laughs> yeah, and they were like, there's ways to mine here. What's the way to not, what's the reason to not do pie? Cause I didn't even look into it, but is it like a dangerous thing to get involved in? I've not looked into it, but I know it's a scam. It'll just be some scammy bullshit. Um, my brothers were sending it to me. I, I, I had to explode at them on a voice message. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what the hell are you doing? Take this shit off your phones. And you know, now another one's turned up that, that I, I, I I don't know. I got something. Someone texted me something the other day. Oh, if you do this and if you sign up and you use my sign up, you'll get one whatever token. I'm like, oh, just stop sending me this shit. Um, you know, it's um, to me that it, it comes back. Like, go, go ahead. It, it comes back to the Jokemon thing. Um, yeah. the, these all of these shit coins, uh, and they are shit coins. Um, you know you. <laughs> You don't reinvent the wheel, right? What what Satoshi did, you don't you don't you don't double solve the double spend problem. You don't double solve the Byzantine generals problem. You know this this was a one shot deal. That's done. That's solved. We have this network globally decentralized. The whole thing is like you know beyond. It's the best. Many people have said the best invention ever. Uh, best feat of engineering. Some people have said. All of that kind of stuff still goes over my head because I'm, I'm not, you know, that, that side of my brain doesn't engage with, with that kind of stuff. But I, I understand that to, whatever's coming after it is exactly the same with just a few little bells and whistles on top that people are trying to pick holes in what's already available. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like Bitcoin Cash is a perfect example. Oh, it's quicker. All right. We don't give a fuck. What we want was what we had. If you want to go and do it all quicker over there, that's fine. You go for it. But we are not coming with it. And, you know, the market decided this is, again, back to Austrian economics, right? What's, what's, what, what people are drawn to, what draws people to Bitcoin is this, this free market. It's like, you know, let the market decide. Okay, the market decided 
we all want to stick with the original blockchain, with the original Bitcoin. Go and make your Bitcoin Cash. Go and make your Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. Go and make your Ethereum. Go and make your, you know, Monero, Zcash, IOTA, all, and name them. That There are thousands and thousands and thousands of them. I feel but, like everybody that does that wanted to be Satoshi. Right. Like, you know, they, they, they really liked it, but they wanted to show that they're smarter than him somehow, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, look at this thing that I created. That's better. Um, and a, a huge amount of hubris behind it because they wanted to build a, like a, a crypto company and, you know, it's a big, um, you know, like Silicon Valley, right. You want to be the next, the next Balak Swan. You want to uh-huh. be the next Uber or the next Twitter or whatever. And so when cryptocurrency came along and this blockchain is, thing called bitcoin came along people were like oh my god we can build on top of that and i can be the next black swan uh it's legacy thinking Mm -hmm. you know but what what they what they weren't prepared for what they didn't understand was this is something like completely different this is this is redefining it's perfect this is a whole yeah this is a whole new paradigm and sure you can build on top of it but not competing services like lightning builds on top of it alongside it is you know symbiotic with it it's not a competitor yeah yeah that's there's only going to be one you know and when people go you know they talk about use cases or whatever i'm like okay well obviously I mean, Ethereum's worth what seventeen, fifteen hundred dollars, something like that. That's great. Um, When's the hundred k party? Yeah, exactly. You know, the, right? like, it ain't happening ever. It's like, like <laughs> who's the king? You know, what I mean, like we all we all know who the king is, um, right? You know, so you're never gonna take the king down, and it's not because of branding or anything else. It's because mathematically, I mean, this is my so my dad is a C, was a cpa um and he always has said the whole world is math you know he's been saying that for ever since i was a little kid the whole world is math everything around you is math and you know it was it's a you know and i i like i'm not an engineer so i can't dig into it to the level that an engineer could but you know from everything i've studied about it, it it's a flawlessly made system that uh, obviously took. I'll skip. Yeah, you'll have to show him um, Canute and uh, Ione, uh, uh, Loney um, Appleberg's uh, video with Guy Swan and uh, Canute's brilliant uh, quote. You know, everything that ever was divided by twenty-one million, and so it's like infinity. The, the, the formula is infinity sign over twenty-one million. Uh, uh-huh. and that, that's basically what Bitcoin is. Um, you know, we, we came for number go up, but stayed for number go down. And that, that's like, when, when, when that hits you, you're like, that's a mind blower. Uh, mean number go down as far as how much money or any how- good or service or product that you ever want to buy in the future is going to go down in value priced in Bitcoin terms. And you're like, oh my God, not only am I saving my time, my energy, my wealth, not only is that going up, you know, dollar denominated pound or euro denominated, whatever you want, but everything else therefore is going down. Like the price of that house I want is going down in Bitcoin. Uh, 
mm-hmm. because right now that might cost me, let's say, what are we, 38,000. Uh, a house is 380,000. That's going to cost me 10 Bitcoin. If you wait a year, it might What's cost it you cost three me? Bitcoin. Right? So we came for number go up, stayed for number go down. Because when you make that realization, you're like, holy shit. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it, a massive truth bomb. And it is like, and it, um, it makes me, you know, not like rethink everything I'm doing, but you know, like, so in the film business, you know, you sit there and you go, like, what's the, what's the most likely thing that I can get a, you know, 10 X return on, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and honestly, I've been looking at it going like, well, like probably the best thing I could do in the next like year would be to put all of our money into Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> And that'll do better than, well, first of all, we, you know, can't shoot movies because it's locked down, but, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, then starting to look at it, like from an investment standpoint, like I, I had this thought of creating a fund where like, say it costs X number of dollars to make a film and people could invest in Bitcoin. And whenever the Bitcoin total raised equals us dollars that we need, then you know so say say i mean just for simple terms like you know it was a it's a million dollar budget and somebody puts in a hundred thousand dollars worth of bitcoin and it goes up 10x then then right then and there we go into production and that person all of a sudden has a a, a production but all those things every time i think of something like that i'm like well why wouldn't that person just hold on to their bitcoin right. why, why would they spend it on anything stupid <laughs> um we this will come though this will come this will come this will come in like uh five six or seven years time because those people that are holding a significant amount of bitcoin they don't want the melting ice cubes back they're not going to sell it out for fear but they will be looking to fund projects and you know get a return get a return on their collateral and they will be looking to to finance deals and get a return on their collateral uh, mm-hmm. and, and this is this is where it's going to head, and it, it could be it could be the case where you could loan someone that Bitcoin, and you know they they might use half of it um, to 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 put into fiat to to buy the equipment and whatever else they uh, needed to get the project going. And by the time the project's finished, like if the price is ten x, yeah, like then the, they're going to be you know, back the, the, right, you're going to be the the the, the person that's loaned you the Bitcoin. It, they're going to get back their Bitcoin and profit and be part of, uh, be credited for a project or even have an asset to 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 go and market. Uh, so to it me, changes everything. I think that one of the as long as they're going to keep inflating assets and pushing money into the system. Um, one I want to keep an eye I'm keeping an eye on it because I think a good business strategy would be to just use all the collateral and Bitcoin to start um, buying you know with these cheap rates for you know loans buying assets that are going to inflate in crazy amounts like a lot of properties different things like that you know that like it's insane to me to think about that you know, like you buy a vacation home or something, say it's a, a $500,000 vacation home 
use it for rental income and like the bank agrees that you for the next 30 years get to pay on it as if it's only 500,000, even though they're going to inflate it away. So by the time you're done paying it, that, you know, it's worth, you know, 2 million. Um, and meanwhile, take all that money and put it, instead of buying the, the you know, put 20% down and take the 80%, put it in Bitcoin, and that's gonna explode. So that by the time, you know, in 10 years, you'd be like, wow, I'm glad I put that 80% in Bitcoin instead of, uh, you know, just buying the asset. Um, so yeah, I, I see that end where it's gonna, it's gonna change everything. Something I have talked to you offline um, too. I want to mention a couple ideas I have for projects since you mentor some some uh, startups and stuff. Uh, uh, something that I've been kicking around for a while, but I'll mention that off. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it changes everything. And once you once you look through it, you'll never be able to go back. Um, and uh, one last question I have for you would be for anyone who's afraid that it's too late to buy into Bitcoin, what would you say to them? This is around for the rest of your life. This it doesn't it. matter how old you, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you're 75, this is around for the rest of your life and your your family's life. But if you're 21, this is your, this is it. This is going to become your, your monetary base. This is going to become the system. And what about all the people that say, well, it's Bitcoin's 38,000, you know, like I can't buy mm -hmm. one. Right. Like how do you relate if, to them that it's worth if, it? If you, if, if you can get comfortable coming to the knowledge that within the next anywhere within the next eight to 15 years against the US dollar, one Bitcoin will cross a million. Then it doesn't matter whether you're buying at 38,000 or 40,000 or 36,000. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you bought a 4,000 or 34,000. It really doesn't. This thing's going to a million, start stacking your sats, start, you know, uh, you know, put, putting something in place. And I, I, you know, one thing I want people to understand is like, we, we all say, do your own research. Well, you're doing some, if you're listening to this podcast, this is doing your own research, you know, well done. Thank mm -hmm. you for being here. This is a huge first step. Um, many people will like, oh, I don't have the time to read a book. Okay. Don't read a book. Just keep listening to more podcasts or listen to an audio book, mm -hmm. you know, start seeking them out. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, I don't have the motivation to do this. You know, I can't be, can't be asked to look into this. It seems like a lot of, a lot of work and it's a, it's a long road ahead. And yes, it is, but it's addictive learning. It's learning that lights you on fire because it's so intellectually stimulating. And if you're not a finance guy, you're not a finance guy, but you'll get lit up maybe by the tech aspect or the social aspect or the psychological or philosophical philosophical um, aspect. It touches every part of society. So there's going to be something there that you just grab onto. Some people grab onto like this religious, like kind of concept behind mm -hmm. it. Um, other people, they just go running straight at it because maybe they're just, uh, they just want more freedom. And mm -hmm. they feel stifled in the, in the country that they're living in. 
um, and they want financial freedom. Who doesn't? Mm -hmm. uh, so there will be some aspect of this thing, which we might not have even discussed today, that you will find from a different guest on a different podcast and learning from, from other people that have already trodden this path, you'll find there are very few charlatans here, like real, the real mm -hmm. Bitcoin maximalists. Some fall off the pedestal, of course, but many, many of the people I've interviewed over 110 people now for my podcast, I find them very, very measured, very focused, big thinkers, um, deep thinkers, very intelligent, intellectually curious. Um, mm -hmm. And intelligence is a bit of a, we get, there's a stigma around that word. We just kind of, many of us are taught to believe we're not intelligent. You know, that is another, you and I have yeah. had a chat about the education system. You know how that works. You, you, you're, you're, you're basically taught um, to be told that you're not intelligent. And um, that's why you get the, the marks that uh, even if you're a straight A student, you end up having a breakdown when you realize Oh, holy shit. Like, that doesn't was mean all... anything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was off for not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for those that are coming in, just, yeah, ask what is money and start looking around. There's so many more resources around these days um, and you'll find something in class of 2020. Uh, they picked it up so damn quickly. I just... I can't imagine what's going to happen in 2021 when we have this number go up, when we have yeah. these, these huge price spikes, that's going to bring people in, in their droves. And then they have all of these podcasts at their fingertips and they have all of these audio books or hardcover books, paperback books or articles, medium, uh, you know, it's all there, the memes, the videos, the documentaries, the uh, it's, it's the artwork that's appearing. Mm -hmm. You know, this, this, this is, as uh, Stacey Herbert calls it, you know, Renaissance 2.0. And it's happening, it's decentralized. It's not happening in Venice, like one tiny little Italian town. It's decentralized on the internet, real time for everyone. And again, we're redefining our species evolution. Uh, yeah. And it's, how, how can you not be lit up by that? that? <laughs> right. Well, like you said, I mean, uh, it's, like for anyone that if you're not a finance person, if you're not a tech person, there's an angle here that opens you up. And, you know, like I'm a film person and I'm a big thinker and, you know, I own a couple companies and stuff like that. So I like to think of big solutions, but, you know, really I'm like an, I'm a film person. I'm a filmmaker. I, I, that's what I like to do. That's what I like to be involved in. And, um, and here I am last, <laughs> last Friday, I was laughing to myself. I was on YouTube like on my Apple TV. So like my, like, you know, big screen, like home theater where I watch movies and everything, but I'm sitting there searching YouTube and I'm, I'm listening to um, finance lectures from like professors, like just random, random, um, you know, economics pro, uh, professor lectures about the subjects that I'm interested in. And I was like, how, like this, like 12 o'clock on a Friday and I'm, I'm sitting here with a beer listening to econ lectures. Like I would have never pictured this. And, and, you know, even like when I talk about it to my family, they're like, you know, wow, you're like fluent in these different things. 
Um, so yeah, I, I would encourage people, like you said, to, to do your research and, and there are so many podcasts out there that I can't list them all, you know, that have brought me to this level of knowledge and I'm hoping that I can keep learning more. Um, but, uh, but Daniel, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, you can check out his one spitting podcast everywhere. The podcasts are found. Um, and, and yeah, Daniel, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure to be here, man. And uh, I meant Florence, not Venice, for the Renaissance rant. So yeah, no, <laughs> that's okay. With all the things, it's all right to miss one. <laughs> <laughs> I hope uh, I hope anyone listening has had uh, fun listening to this and um, has filled in a few of the blanks. But there's so much more you can learn. And just remember, it's it's you don't need motivation to kickstart action. People get that back to front action breeds motivation and so just listening to this podcast is the first action that you've taken maybe it's the 10th but keep doing that because that is a positive reinforcing feedback loop so action take action that breeds motivation so if the, your next action is order a hardware wallet or set up a node whatever that is just just order that and then that will that flyer will is in in motion. So that's uh, that's my parting comment. Thanks for being here and thanks for doing this, Corey. I really look forward to uh, watching this this podcast take um, take its course and of course your documentary. So really looking forward to that, man. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that more too. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again to Daniel for joining the show today, and also his daughter Lauren for her great question. I hope you were able to learn something today and enjoy the show and I'll see you next time. Thanks.